Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. How many of you have been enjoying this process of diving into God's Word, diving into truth, living with conviction? And uh, man, it's been a, a powerful last couple of weeks as we've uh, dove into the fact that truth is on trial that we live in this day and age where everybody wants to have their own truth, their own reality, like it's my truth, man. And uh, I love that God's word is eternal, it's true. And uh, today I'm excited to dive into it. And uh, before we do, I wanna read one of our opening theme verses and it's Romans chapter 12, verse two. You might get tired of this, but I hope not by the end of this series. But it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. How, do you, how many of you know there's patterns in this world that we're trying not to conform to? But it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will and today, I'm excited to dive into this, this question, this thought around, uh, I think it's a question that not many of us actually ask, but I think actually has a crazy amount of implications when we really start diving into it. And it's this idea about who is man and really looking at the states of man and trying to understand why humanity is where it is today. Because how many of you know there's tension in the day and age that we live? And uh, if you don't feel that, I just encourage you, open your eyes. Look around, there's tension in the humanity that we live in. And so as we dive into this, I wanna read two scriptures to you that'll be a, a, a base framework for what we're gonna be diving into. And it's Genesis chapter one, verse 26 and 27. And it says this, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And powerful, encouraging word. Last, I wanna read one more passage of scripture out of Romans chapter five, verse 12 through 14. And I love how the message version puts it this morning. It says, you know the story of how Adam landed us in this dilemma we're in. First sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disrupted the relationships with God in everything and everyone, but the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. And even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Today, I wanna speak to you from this topic or this thought, the good, the bad, and the beautiful the good, the bad, the beautiful. Let's pray today. Lord, I thank you right now. God, Lord, that you're a God that's alive, that's active, and that's real. Lord, and I pray that today, God, as the word goes forth, that it wouldn't be my words that people hear, but it'd be your word, God, Lord, that's sharper than a double-edged sword. And I pray that, God, Lord, as we dive into these truths, they wouldn't be things that tickle our ears, but, God, that they'd be words of truth that change our perspective and transform us from the inside out. And, God, I pray, and we just say, God, today, speak to us move in us. God, shift us and shape us and form us, God, Lord, to look more and more like you today. God, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. 
Well, man, I got a question, man. How many of you guys know kids say the darnest things? Like, yeah, you know, kids do the darnest things. Man, right, right now, I got a two-year-old son named Liam, and uh, man, I, you know, you watch America's Funniest Videos, and you're like, oh, no, these are just like the highlight reels of kids being crazy. No, that's every day. That is every day. Kids literally just do the craziest things. And uh, literally the other day, I love that like with kids, there's like these moments where you're like, you're so stinking cute. I love you. Like I could cry. And we had like Liam's birthday party and he was like, thank you everybody. And I was like, that's my boy. He's only two. He's so cute. And then literally like 20 seconds later, you're like, oh my gosh, you're your mom's kid. You're definitely your mom's kid. No, just kidding. But literally the other day, it was funny. He was a home work, working. I was home working, and he was hanging out with me. We were having a little Liam and Dada day, and uh, I was working in my office, and he's hanging out with me, and then he kind of wanders off, and I hear him play with his toys, and then any parent knows that moment when the room goes silent, you know they're up to no good. And so I, you know, being a good dad, I don't yell down the hallway without knowing. I go and investigate. And so I creep around the corner, I go into our living room, and Liam, our son, is just at our subwoofer, at our entertainment center, just shoving balls, shoving toys, shoving pens. And I'm like, but Liam, what, what's going on here? And he looks at me, he goes, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh, what are you talking? I was like, Bubba, did you put that in there? There's like a ball hanging out. He's like, no. And I was like, Liam, did you put things inside here? He goes, no, and I was like, Liam, Bubba. So I got it, I, get, I start getting everything out of it. There's still toys in there, I can't get it out. But I get all, as many toys as I can, and I go, Bubba, did you put these in here? He goes, no, and I'm like, this guy's lying to me. I didn't, I didn't teach him that, I didn't teach him that. And so I'm a good dad, I slowed down, I got down, I'm like, hey Bubba, hey, we don't do this. This is a no touch. He goes, no touch. I say, can you say okay? He goes, okay. I was like. I won, I'm a great dad. He's not gonna do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, so being a good father, I leave the room and I like just watch for just a little bit. Less than 10 seconds later, back at it again, putting the toys in there. I'm like, Bubba, we don't do this. And I'm like, this is the epitome of kids. You're like, I, the other day I'm picking them up. Sorry, I love my kids, so you're just gonna hear a little bit about them. But literally the other day, I'm at daycare. I go to pick them up, and he, he like sees me, he goes, Dada! And I'm like, Bubba! So cute. He runs over to this little girl and slaps her in the face. I'm like, Bubba, we don't do that. And I'm like, this is the tension of like kids where we're like, you're so cute in one moment. And literally the next moment, you're like, you're evil. That's just evil, slapping some little girl defensively, like this is evil. You know, and it's so funny is I thought about Liam and as I was thinking about kids, I couldn't help but think that this is actually the tension of humanity that we live in. That we look at the world around us and we have these moments where we're like, my goodness, this is beautiful. We were out to dinner and somebody's, a uh, uh, police officer walks in and I literally felt, I was like, I feel like somebody's supposed to pay for his meal. This couple next to us goes, hey, can we pay his tab? And I was like, this is beautiful. I love the world we live in. And while at the same moment we look around our world and we see how broken it is, we see, like it can be disheartening, it can be dismaying, it can be discouraging where we're like, we see wars rage, we see, literally look around our world and we see half the world dying of starvation while the other half dies of heart failure because of overconsumption. <laughs> And we're like, my goodness, this is the tension that we live in, a beautiful, beautiful world that's also so broken. 
And today, my hope is that as we dive into this scripture and as we look at who man is and we see the journey that man really is on, that we would be able to start having a renewed perspective of man to be able to help navigate this world that we live in, this great dichotomy, this great tension point. And you might be asking why this even matters, right? Like, I, to be quite honest, that was, as I started diving in, this I was like, why does this matter? But friends, can I tell you that our perspective of who man is, the world around us, will implicitly and explicitly tell us how we value mankind. It'll tell us whether or not man has purpose. It tells us whether or not man should continue to function or how to operate. That's at a macro level. Heck, start getting micro. It tells us what we view about ourselves. And so, friends, can I tell you, this might sound like an ambiguity type of question, but the reality is, is that this question, man, if we really start to boil it down, really impacts our everyday life. And so today, I'm excited to dive into this. You ready to get into some scripture this morning? Come on. Well, how many of you, you're, you like, we got good news today, we got some bad news. How many of you guys like your good news first? Five people. Oh, okay. Pessimistic bunch. I'm like, give me the good news. Give me the dessert first. Well, today we're diving into the good news to kick this off. And we're gonna be diving into the good, which is the image of God. And that's where we opened up in this opening scripture. I'm gonna read it again real quick. In first Genesis chapter one, first Genesis, the first Genesis, not the second Genesis, but then the first chapter, 26 and 27, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Man, when we read that verse, I think we have this profound, deep understanding and really something that I think we can pull from the scripture if we look at the deep Hebrew. And this is what it says in a nutshell, that man was created in the image of God. <laughs> it's revolutionary. <laughs> You're like, is that what happened in that verse? Yes, that's what happened in that verse. Man was created in the image of God. And friends, can I tell you that that is an encouraging word? That when we recognize that man didn't come from the goo to the zoo and now you're you, that when we recognize and reconcile the fact that we were created in the image of God, man, that should stir in us something in our spirit where we go, my goodness, that means that there's actually innate value attached to life. Friends, can, that, can I tell you that's why we believe in not like actually in having life? That's why we, we don't agree with abortion is because we believe that every single life, every single person was created in the image of God. Friend, can I tell you, as you sit in your chair, that you didn't just happen to show up by happenstance because it happened to be the perfect like environment where sperm and an egg came together. No, no, what literally happened was God picked, formed, and chose you, created you in his image, that there's a portion of who God is created in your design. And that should stern us, that should, that should speak to us, that should tell us how much there's actual value to life. Even, even better yet, let me give you a real life example to this. I think if we asked this question literally around the world, I think we would have a pretty common, unanimous answer. If I was a great carpenter and I created a really great chair, but then I also helped create a child, obviously I did a lot of work, uh, but we made a, you know, made a baby, 
When you look at these two things and we ask the world around us, which of these two innately and intrinsically has more value? I think it's a pretty straightforward answer. Everybody would go, your kid. Your kid has more intrinsic value than the chair you made. Friends, that's the beautiful picture of what we see when God created us in his image, that we were created in his image, that we have an intrinsic value that I think even the world would be able to look at that statement and recognize. And I think that that should help shift our perspective as we look around us and whether we're looking at the thief or the person in jail or the beggar or even ourselves who are insufficient and broken and part of the problem, that we would look at all that and go, no, no, no. They're made in the beautiful, perfect image of God. But not only were we created in the image of God, I love how God describes what he created. That in this picture we see in Genesis, God created the animals, the trees. He created separated light and dark. He did all this. But man was different where he said, hey, I'm going to create you in my image. But then not only that, we see in verse 31 where he says, God saw all that he made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. He said it was very good. Friends, can I tell you that when God looks at you, the image of God that he created in you, he says, that's very good. And I think we could breeze by that, but I believe that there's people in this room that when you hear me say that, there's just something rising up in you that goes, no. Very good? It's not what my parents called me growing up. Very good, like that's not what my my brothers and sisters said about me. They said I'd never amount to anything. Friends, can I tell you that no matter what anybody has said about you, no matter what you've said about yourself, that that does not change, could ever change the fact that you are created in God's image, that when God looks at you, he says that you're good and very good. And I love that this is the beautiful truth that our great God called man very good. And I pray that that would be a point of revelation for somebody today that you'd walk away with that new perspective of saying, no, I'm made in the image of God. When God looks at me, he says, I'm good. But friends, can I tell you that this isn't where the story ends. We, we see this moment where God's created man. I need to move a little faster here because we want to stay on time. But my goodness, my, God has created man and we see this beautiful picture of how life was originally designed. We see Adam and Eve walking through the garden. And it really says they walk through the garden in the cool of the day. There's this moment where God was walking in the garden. So we know that like literally they, were, they walked with God in the garden. They had this perfect communion with him. There was no barrier. And what's beautiful is there's this moment where God is looking at him and says, hey, this garden, it's all yours. But friends, can I tell you, there's this tree of knowledge, good and evil, this tree of life. Don't eat those. Basically, God said, that apple's poison. Don't eat that. Don't eat that apple. That's, that's what he would have said if it happened in the 90s. Um, but he did it. He said, don't, don't eat of the fruit. And our, our loving God, who is completely sufficient in himself, gave man the freedom of choice. And it's with that gift of freedom of choice where Adam and Eve decided to take of the apple and to eat of it and disobeyed God. And that, friends, is where we see this cataclysmic event and shift in humanity begin to happen where sin entered the world. Friends, this is the bad. This is the fall of man. And that can sound heavy. That can sound scary. I think we could even look at some of these moments and go, well, well, it wasn't their fault. 
They were made good. It must have been the, the serpent's fault, right? Like it had to have been the devil. It's always the devil. Oh, it's always the devil. How many, yeah, I know how it goes. You're like, oh, it's always the devil. My flat tire is the devil. It was the de- I lost my job. It was the devil. And it's like, no, you were late every day. This one's for free, it's not, I mean, it is part of the sermon, but I just felt like it was supposed to be here. It said, sin didn't enter the world through Satan. It came by the lack of submission to God. God had clear, defined, beautiful picture of how life was designed, but instead of operating in what God had for them, they decided that they had their own way. Friends, can I tell you that this is the tension and the reality that we live in, that every day we get the opportunity and the freedom of choice to be able to answer this question, will I submit to God's perfect, pleasing will and ways, or will I do thing my own way? And this is the fall of humanity. And we even see in that second opening scripture, Romans chapter five, is so powerful when we read this. It says that you know the story of how Adam landed us in this. Thanks, Adam. And in the dilemma we're in, first sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. I'm gonna read that one more time. No one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disrupted relations with God and everything and everyone, but the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. He's talking about the 10 commandments. He's talking about the actual written law and what was to come. And he says, so death, this huge abyss separating us from God dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. And even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Friends, can I tell you that by reading this verse, we know that sin separates humanity from God. Not only do we know that sin separates us from God, but we read that opening portion that said that no one is exempt from sin. No one's exempt from death. And friends, can I tell you, I think this is one of the lies that's a truth that's on trial in our day and age, that we read that verse and we live in a world that goes, no one's exempt from sin or death, but we're surrounded by people that go, "Ah, maybe I am, because I'm a good person. I live in Nebraska. I live the good life. I'm a good person. I don't, I, I don't kill. I don't steal. I don't do, all, I don't do the bad things. You know, I, I might do some, like I do some of the small ones, but not the big ones. I mean, if you really started, you know, looking at the scale, like good versus bad, like I think my good side's just a little bit higher, especially if you remove my high school days out of it, then I'm like for sure good. You know, like then I'm for sure, for sure good. Um, man, this is, this is a lie from the enemy that we think that it is about our goodness, that we think it's about our ability to perform, to be able to reconcile the fact that man is fallen. And friends, can I tell you that, let me double down on this truth, that Romans three says, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Friends, can I tell you that this is everybody, that this is our reality, and it's painful, and it's sobering, But friends, can I tell you that God isn't looking for good people? He's looking for godly people. And I think that if we let that sink in and we understand the reality that when sin entered the world and we understand that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, I think if we understand the implications of sin, 
I think it actually changes our perspective of how we even live our day-to-day life. That if, I think a lot of us, we'd go, yeah, I believe that. Like all have sinned, all fallen short of the glory of God. Like it's pretty plain there. Like yeah, all have sinned. But if we understand the implications of sin, that we'd understand that sin leads to death and that sinful death leads to hell. But that's sobering, friends. As I, as I began to work through this, God asked me this question. He said, Clyde, do you really believe in heaven and hell? I went, yeah. Oh yeah, God, I believe in heaven and hell. He said, no, 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 Clyde, do you really believe that there's heaven and hell? And I was like, absolutely, God. He said, so tell me, when you read Revelations 20, it says, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. He said, so you, you believe that, Clyde? And I'm like, I think so. And he began to reveal to me the fact that if we genuinely believe that heaven and hell was real, that the wages of sin is death, and through death would, people would land in hell, that I think it changes our perspective when we think about evangelism. It changes our perspective that when we look at our coworkers or our friends and our family members, that we're not looking at these moments going, oh, they're a good person. They don't do a lot of bad things. Like They maybe only get drunk every other weekend, so it's not a big deal, and maybe they'll show up to church someday. But if we let this reality actually sink in and recognize that there is a heaven and a hell and that more specifically because you were made in the image of God he wants to reveal who he is to lost people through you so that the people don't have to live in eternity in hell that it would shift us and shake us that we wouldn't be able to go the same way before that I wouldn't just be able to hang out with my friends and just go ah they'll get it someday This is my prayer today that once again, that this wouldn't just tickle our ears and be like, yeah, it's a truth. But man, I pray that even as we close out this service, that there'd be a revelation in our heart, a conviction in our soul that goes, God, help me see what you see. God, help me not look at just this side of heaven, but let me look, help me see that there's eternity. God, help me see that there's a life bigger than myself. there's somebody, sorry, I'm going to edge off here because, um, but there's somebody here that you're, you're maybe here for the first or second time and you're hearing this message and you're going, my goodness, it's one of those churches <laughs> or something, you know, where you're like, this is doom and gloom. Man, I want to tell you that there's hope. That's what we're about to dig into, but I don't think you're here on accident. I don't, I don't think that you're here by happenstance. I don't think you're here to hear this message about the beginning of creation and the fall of man, but you're here to actually hear about a loving God and a savior who in the midst of a moment decided to, to be the solution in the midst of the brokenness of humanity. And we'll, we'll skip this next slide on Romans 15, but it ends with saying that Adam points ahead to the one to come. Friends, this is the beautiful exchange. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message of hope. This is the message that turned my life around. This is the message that in the midst of a moment, even though growing in in church, I always had an understanding of who God was, but it wasn't until I encountered the person of Jesus where my life began to get radically shifted and changed that I couldn't live the same way that I used to before. And the reason why is because of a verse that I think all of us probably could recite from the top of our memory. But man, I encourage you as we read this scripture, don't just breeze by and go, man, 
John 3, 16. I know that verse already, Clyde. I think that's one of the great travesties of our Christian process is that we can just read past scriptures that we feel like we already got a hold of. Like John 3, 16. Oh, I knew that one since I was a kid. No, I get it now. Guys, if we get it, oh man, it shifts things. It shapes things. It changes things. And this is the truth. This is God's word. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Friends, this is the message of the gospel. This is the good news. This is the hope for humanity. This is how we reconcile the tension that we live in, that we look at the good and the bad, but in the midst of that, we could see a God who's so beautiful, a God who's so good, that God in and of himself looked at you. He didn't look at humanity, he looked at you, and he saw that you were sufficient for him to send his son from heaven down to earth to put skin on, to walk amongst man, and to do miracles after miracles, even in the midst of people trying to persecute him. He had to slip away from crowds so that he didn't get murdered in those moments. There's historical record after record of the existence of Jesus. Jesus was a real person. Our question today is what is our response to him? See, a loving God, a loving Savior who walked this earth that still had the freedom of choice, who still had the freedom of choice, just like you and me, and walked it out beautifully and perfectly, the perfect image of God. And in his love that was so big, so vast, so immense, so big for you, so big for me, that even in the midst of a garden where he's crying out to his father saying, God, if there's any other way, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. But if not, let your will be done because of his love for you. And we see this moment where he allows himself, get this, Jesus, God with flesh on, allowed himself to be betrayed by someone who was so close to him. Lily just had dinner with him. One of you betray me doesn't change anything. A God who allowed himself to be taken by guards and being taken captive for you and for me. A God that allowed himself to be whipped, to be beaten, to be stripped down. A God that allowed himself to hang upon the cross. They even taunted him and said, if you're really the son of God, call angels down, come save you. Friends, can I tell you that's a reality? Like he could have still in that moment said, no, nah, I'm done with this. These are the people you want me to save? It is, it is. And it was in this beautiful moment with Jesus allowing himself to hang upon the cross where he died for you and for me. And there was this beautiful exchange as Jesus hanging upon the cross, taking upon your sins and taking upon my sins and the sins of humanity to, to die in our place. We just read that we, and we know that for the wages of sin is death. We just read that in the scripture where it says, we know how Adam got us into this and no one's exempt from sin and death. But friends, can I tell you that there was this person named Jesus who paid the biggest price and the only price that you could never pay. 
a love that was so big that looked at people that were designed to be good living in a broken state of humanity because of the fall came through the redemptive work of the cross and we know this but God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners Christ died for us before I ever turned my life around, before I ever accepted him, he died for me. He died for you. He died for people that would never turn towards him. It's a big love. It's a big love. And today, if everybody wants to stand to their feet, we could hear this message and we could let a moment pass by and we could go, man, Clyde, I heard this message before. I already know that God created man, that's cool. Yeah, I know we live in a broken world, that sucks. And I already accepted Jesus into my heart. But friends, can I tell you that God wants to transform you from the inside out, that when you let this truth rest inside you, that I believe that there's people today that are gonna have a fresh revelation of their perspective of who they are and who the people are around them, just simply by the fact that you were created in God's image. I think more importantly, I think this room is mostly believers who have prayed the prayer of salvation. My prayer is that you would experience the same conviction that I felt in my heart, that as I looked at the scripture and as God questioned, Clyde, do you believe that hell exists? And I flippantly say yes, that we would have a revelation that on the other side of our action, people could experience this life, that people could experience this love, that I don't look at my coworkers the same, that I pray as a believer that you would let a good godly conviction rest upon you, that it would raise you up and say, no, I do have purpose in my workplace. No, I do have people in my world that I need to love. There, do, there are people that I need to be able to have a conversation with and ask if they know who the person of Jesus Christ is. But friends, can I tell you that today, today I believe that God gave me this, this message for a specific group of people. And that's twofold. There's people that are hearing this message for the hundredth time you're hearing this message of Jesus and you're continuing to fight to be good, that you're unwilling to accept the work of Jesus upon the cross. Friends, can I tell you, redemption comes through receiving the gift of salvation. You can't get to heaven on your own strength and ability. And today I wanna give you the opportunity to come home, to join the family, and to accept the work of Jesus in your life. But I also believe that there's people that are showing up for the first time today. And you're feeling this tension of like, you know you're not good, but you're excited about what could be. That you feel this tension inside you and you go, man, there's something about this moment. Man, this moment was made for you. Because the Bible says that, all, that today is the day of salvation. And friend, I wanna tell you that you don't need to wait till you're cleaned up more. You don't need to wait till you're a little better. You don't need to wait till you no longer struggle. No, God wants to save you and love you and accept you right where you're at because he wants to begin to work the process of making you more like his son to Jesus. And so today, church, my question is, what is your response to Jesus? Thank you so much for listening today. And we wanna give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, 
please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.